You're listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one Australian weekly trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. Listen to On The Road on the Australian Big Rigs Radio Roadshow and via podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify and now also on iHeartRadio. Just search for On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. G'day all and thanks for joining us again on the road. We've got a cracker show for you this week. You'll meet a bloke who's putting his heart and soul into creating a fair and effective process for accident investigations to create a safer place for all of us to work. Our man Mike, known for his passion for everything trucks and transport, gets even more passionate, if that's possible, when he gives us something to talk about a little later in the show. A couple of classic road songs from Bruce Springsteen and the Eagles, plus our regular news and more. To get the rig rolling this week, Lyndall Denny from Women in Trucking Australia brings us the much-anticipated results of their International Women's Day Women's Trailblazer and Driver of the Year awards. So keep your eyes on the road and your ears right here with us. Here we go. G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24 7. Loads of trucking classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. A couple of weeks ago, we spoke with Lyndall Denny, the CEO of Women in Trucking Australia, about their inaugural Women in Trucking Awards, introduced to coincide with International Women's Day. Well, Lyndall's joined us again this week to announce this year's award winners. This is exciting, Lyndall. Welcome back to On the Road. Hey, Andy. How are you doing? Doing great, thank you. Now, Lyndall, female heavy vehicle drivers here in Australia have never really been formally acknowledged, even though some of them have been doing these jobs, I believe, for up to 50 years. So these awards have helped to remedy that situation, shining a light on these quiet achievers. How did the awards come about? Well, exactly for that reason, Andy, that there are so many amazing women who've had illustrious trucking careers. They are all quiet achievers. And there's never been a specific series of awards for female heavy vehicle drivers. Right. And with International Women's Day sailing over the horizon, we thought, well, now's the time to spotlight these girls and let people know that the vocation does exist, that women are more than capable of being truck drivers. These days, it's about brains, not brawn, Mm. and hopefully get more women into the vocation. Absolutely. Well, there are two categories. Perhaps if we start with the Trailblazer Driver of the Year Award, can you just give us a quick overview of the category again, please? The trailblazers are the women who commenced trucking careers last century before any of the mod cons that we girls today take as just standard features in our trucks. Mm. These girls really did it hard and had to be tough. There was a lot of strenuous physical work. Many of them have had 30, 40 and 50 year careers and have hung up their truck keys. But 
these girls no longer drive. Right. And we thought it was important to recognise their contribution because they paved the way for the women of today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lyndall, the suspense is killing me, so let's get into it. Who was the runner-up in this category? The runner-up was Michelle Cuddles McDonald, and she enjoyed a successful trucking career that spanned 40 years. Wow. And a lot of that was at a time when communities expected them to stay home cooking and cleaning and looking after the children. Mm. Now, this incredible woman actually went on to become an owner-driver and talked to me about sitting in front of a panel of four men because in those days, women couldn't get a loan. They had to have a male go guarantor. Yes. Sitting at the bank in front of a panel of four young men, and one of them said to her, so what do you know about trucks? And she said, well, a damn side more than the four of you do. <laughs> and she said she got the loan, bought her truck and trailer. She also bought her own home and car while she was out there on the road. So wow. an amazing woman. Mm. She said to me just quietly at harvest time, I just might actually jump up behind the wheel and help out when it gets busy on the farm. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, Michelle. And the winner of the Trailblazer Driver of the Year is... The wonderful Jenny Coleman. Now, Jenny got her MC licence, her road trade licence in 2006, and spent the next 10 years driving the length and breadth of the country doing two up with her partner. Wow. Jen's actually writing her story, her trucking story. So she says those 10 years were some of the best in her life and provide much of the material for her book. So she's a girl that lived in the outback, out of Alice, and had an incredible life. So congratulations too to Jenny. Yeah, big time. Congratulations, Jenny. And the final category, could you give us a reminder, please, of the criteria for the Driver of the Year Award? This category is the International Women's Day Driver of the Year Award and any female who drives any truck in Australia was eligible for nomination. As a consequence, we had 21 amazing women from across the nation who were nominated multiple times by their employers, family, peers, friends, etc. So, yep, they're all out there working hard, quietly doing their thing and achieving great things. Wonderful. Okay, so let's start with the runner-up, please, Linda. The runner-up driver of the year is a young lady, Bianca Clark, and Bianca transports tonnes of excavated raw material to and from major infrastructure projects across the Sydney metro area. Ah, yes. Bianca works at the Ether Group and drives a 600-horsepower bright red Kenworth called Blocker. So Blocker and Bianca are well-known out there on the road. Bianca's got a considerable social media followings, Mm. so she inspires other women to consider truck driving as a career choice, and yeah, she's out there doing great work on the roads. Good on her. So congratulations, Bianca. Yeah. Mike chatted with the Ether Group just recently on the show, and Bianca and her bright red 909 came up in the conversation, so that's exciting to hear. Well done, Bianca. Yes, they're both very well known. And the Ether Group is an incredibly progressive company in terms of looking at females for heavy vehicle driving positions. So we thank them as well for their input. Yeah, absolutely. And the winner of the International Women's Day Australian Driver of the Year. Ah, yes. Now, this young woman is a fourth generation truckie. Wow. Hannah Hughes. And Hannah's dreamt of driving the big rigs. And that's the ones with road train signs on the front and back. Yeah. So Hannah's worked her way up through the various licences 
And with the backing of Cole's chemical division, she finally realised a dream. And you can find Hannah behind the wheel of her chem worth pulling a set of tankers transporting dangerous goods across WA's outback to mines and remote cattle stations. Incredible young woman right there. Brilliant. Congratulations to Hannah. Lyndall, your inaugural Aussie Awards have been a huge success. I expect this will be the first of many to come. Yes, it will. And we decided that with today's massive social media presence, we take the vocation to the streets and hold a People's Choice Awards. Right. So we deemed that the ideal way to shine a light on the nominees and the platforms were just the buzz with chatter during the week-long voting period. Mm. With the support of these remarkable women, over a million people, and that's 500,000 on Facebook alone, had the opportunity to read their quintessentially Australian stories. Right. So that's a million people now that have looked at these female heavy vehicle drivers, looked at the work they're doing, looked at the vocation, and now see it as a viable, challenging, professional and interesting career. And we're hoping given our overarching focus is to encourage more women into the sector, Mm. that many more women consider it as a viable career and sign up. Absolutely. Now, folks, if you'd like to read the full story and see the photos of our wonderful winners and runners-up for the inaugural International Women's Day Australia Driver of the Year Awards, you can go to the Women in Trucking Australia Facebook page. Is that right? Yes, Andy. Just click onto the Facebook page and all the girls, their stories and profiles are right there. Alternatively, you can visit the On The Road podcast website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Once again, a huge congratulations to Michelle, Jenny, Bianca and Hannah. And our special guest today, of course, Lyndall Denny, CEO of Women in Trucking Australia. Lyndall, many thanks for coming back to visit us on the road and sharing this fantastic announcement with our listeners. Oh, Andy, my pleasure and thanks again as always to you guys at On The Road Podcast for your support of the work that we're doing. Thank you from the girls. It's very much our privilege and our pleasure. Thanks, Lyndall. Thanks, Andy. For all you ladies out there behind the wheel, whatever rig you might be driving, whatever your motivation for doing it, in the immortal words of Bruce Springsteen, Baby, you were born to run.
Darren Delaney is a former long-distance truckie who's worked in transport management and operations, accident investigations, supply chain management and a whole lot more. In more recent times, he's focused his motivation and commitment to helping to make the transport industry a better and safer place to work for everyone. Good morning, Darren. Thank you for joining us on the road. Good morning, Andy. Thanks for having me. Good to talk with you again. Darren, your career in trucking started at the age of 18 when you saw and fell in love with the Max Superliner, which is quite understandable. Can you share your story with us, how you got started in the industry and the journey you've had to this point in time where you're now completing your doctorate on accident investigations specifically relating to trucks? Well, Andy, when I was sort of the brat kid of 18 on the motorbike and, you know, young and free as we all are, <laughs> I went just wandering around the country and I happened to run into a bloke at a roadhouse or a pub somewhere. He said, you want something to do? Yeah. 18, no strings attached. Oh, why not? Hmm. And this farm bloke picked me up and took me down to this paddock. I still don't know where I was. Yeah. As you drive into the yard, there was two or three superliners sitting there. Mm. You know, it's just one of those things where you had to have. Yeah. And then the boss said, oh, can you drive that? I said, well, no, I've only got my motorbike. That was all I had. And he said, get in, I'll give you a crash course. Okay. There was my introduction to driving trucks. And I had this crash course and then he took me up and we did some train work. And then I just sort of started from there. After that, I came back to civilization and I started running up and down the highways and across the paddock over to Perth. So I did that for 13 years. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, in 2001, cancer in me, I ended my life on the road. Right. But it didn't end my passion for the industry. So I went back in and I started going back into the operations world and the allocations because my boss at the time says, you know these people better than anybody else. You can talk their language. So I started from there and then I started moving into the safety arena after I lost my mentor to a major accident. He was coming up from Melbourne and he just passed Albury. He took his B-double over the edge because he had a massive heart attack. Mm. Very short time later, I lost one of my closest friends and the man who gave me the honour of being godfather to his children. Yeah, He unfortunately lost his life. And I always said to my drivers at the time, if you couldn't make at home, your wedding rings would. Yeah which is a very scary statement in most people's careers. Mm. And good to my word, I drove from Sydney to Melbourne. I'd had no sleep and I shot down to Melbourne at 100 mile an hour. I rummaged through the wrecks and the blood to find his wedding rings and I had to go in and see this lovely lady that I've known for many long years and my two godchildren and say, I'm sorry. Now, how do you tell someone of three and 18 months old that dad's never coming home again? Coming home, yeah. I know, and my wife tells me it's guilt that I live with. They couldn't understand, but it's guilt that I live with. So I think that guilt drives me. Mm. And what was it became driver error, vehicle failure. Mm. And I went, this is wrong. And one of my senior managers at the time said, something has to be done about this to find out the overall. There has to be more than driver error, vehicle failure. Yeah. We've seen the evolution of transport legislation with chain of responsibility, which was a good thing in the start, but it became disjointed now. Mm. And in its current form, it actually is disjointed. So after I decided to step away from the transport companies of the world to look at the industry from a different angle, and from there it became, what do I do? How do I do it? Someone once said to me a long time ago, for people to respect your opinion, you've got to be smarter than them. Yeah. 
because the instinct and intuition only gets you so far. Yes, yes. <laughs> so the degrees happened and then the postgraduate qualifications happened and then eventually this bright idea of like 20 years in the making, that one question, that one idea came to mind, something has to be done. Yeah. Well, the accident investigation model, as we all know in the industry, is complete crap. Yep. I'm sitting there saying, well, okay, it's rubbish. Does it work? Where does it fail? And what do we actually answer? Mm. The end result is, and I've discovered through preliminary work, we don't actually answer the question of why it happens. Yeah. So I think there's my story and after three and a half decades. Yeah, yeah. I know it's clearly your frustration with the current investigation system we have that's led you to take this path. And your aim is to create one simple model that will improve this process. What does this model look like? My plan, Andy, is to make a standardised investigation tool. Currently, if we take one accident anywhere, and I won't, I won't highlight the one down on the South Australian Victoria border, mm -hmm. we take the M1 in Melbourne or up here in Brisbane, you can have the police will come in and do their bit, the regulators will come in and do their bit if they so choose. Yeah. You may get the insurance companies to come in and do their bit. The company might do their bit. Work cover, if it needs to, will come in and do So currently we have all these little people doing an investigation for a specific purpose. They all have their own agendas, yeah? They all have got their own agendas. Mm. I've seen many a time, it's been commented to me, you know, if they all do their job. But the problem is they are all doing their job. Mm. Police will look at, obviously, the nature of the accident, what caused it, the driver of vehicles and all sorts of other things, and the road condition. If they so choose, the regulators may come in and do a compliance and enforcement issue for the, he the heavy vehicles. Mm. Insurance will come in and see what's the freight all right, what happened, why it happened. Companies may do something just to do some lessons learned and see if they can reschedule and replan. Yeah. But we're all doing our jobs and still at the end, of there's all these holes in it. So the police will come in and look at the vehicles, the drivers. Mm. The regulators will come in and look at the companies and how they applied the legislation. Yeah. The insurers will come in and see just purely for cost effectiveness. Work cover will come in just to see who was injured and why and what they did and their results. So all these people are looking for all these things, but no one has yet answered the question, what happened? What actually caused it? Yeah. And several of my academic colleagues they say you can actually backtrack an accident sequence to find something actually incited the whole event. This could have been hours before, especially in our industry, hours before, yeah. months before. And if you go back and you find that one single event that said this is what happened or what started the whole process, it's like a stack of dominoes. Mm. So the accident will float, the whole sequence will flow through. And eventually, three, four hundred kilometres later, the worst case scenario will happen. Yeah. My plan is to actually get a whole framework that anybody, police, regulators, insurers, companies, work cover, the whole lot can come in and say, this is what started the accident, this is how it happened, and this is what we can do to prevent it from happening the next time. Mm. I guess it's a little bit like treating the disease and not so much the symptoms. I suppose we see that using our current circumstances of the COVID crisis, we're looking at how to prevent the spread of the virus. Yeah. The same process works with the accident investigation. We're looking at the immediate solution, not the long-term solution. Yeah. We'll be back for the rest of this great chat right after this. 
There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. As part of your research project, you've developed a survey to include the views of truck drivers in regard to the accident investigation process. What exactly is the survey and how does it work? Well, I've actually split my survey up into two and we'll get into the other part a bit later. Sure. The truck driver survey is purely for their opinion mm -hmm. because unfortunately they are the pointy end of the stick in this business. And most people, as you would know, and many of our others would the first thing you see is when an accident happens, the first person you blame is the poor truckie. Yeah. Nothing they did or didn't do could have ever prevented this accident from happening. So I'm sitting there saying to them, say, look, ladies and gentlemen, because you actually are the backbone of our business. Mm -hmm. You're the ones that are, you see the accident happen. You know people have had an accident. So what is your opinion on thoughts and processes and how the accident investigation happens? For your perspective, yeah. so I'm giving Australian drivers the chance to sit there and say, this is what happens, this is how it happens, and then I'm giving them a few options of just a few case-based scenarios. Here's a little story. Mm -hmm. Now, I've listed a few things that may or may not have influenced the accident, and when the drivers actually do the survey, they'll see that there are times where some things are quite random that, in my opinion, numbing because I've used a different lens of the world. Yeah. I've looked at it and said, well, this may have influenced the accident. It had no bearing on the investigation model, but just those little things where they may see something have occurred and just triggered that whole sequence so they can have a, an active involvement in how I build my framework. Two decades ago when I started in operations, the CEO once said to me, if the wheels aren't turning, transport's not making money. Mm the seven or 800,000 truckies on the road are the reason those wheels are turning. Yeah, that's true. Well, in regard to the survey, Darren, how can our listeners become a part of it? What's the time frame you're working with? I've given them plenty of time to deal with. The survey is now open. I'm closing that in October of this year. Mm -hmm. So they've got plenty of time to go on. There's a link online for those who've read the Big Rigs article. There's a hyperlink there. They contact me. I can send them a link straight to them. It's completely anonymous, so I'm not asking for any information. It's just I want their opinion. Yeah. Jump online, jump on the website, click next, and then just run through the questions. And if they feel like I'm over it, I don't want to answer any more questions, so just close it and move on. Yeah. And I won't take those results into a calculation later date. I won't know who they are. I won't even know where they are. Right. And I see there'll be a, a second part to the survey reaching further into the transportation sector. Can you tell us about that? The second part I've designed is purely for the transport management and the operations aspects of the world. 
Right. Because, again, they may have a different perspective on how the accident has evolved mm. that extends beyond chain of responsibility that looks at the accident sequence and how what they think may have influenced it just to get their views on and I'm actually doing a personal one-on-one -on -one interview with those people. Right. So they can contact me. They'll read some information. They'll sign a consent form and I'll record that for later. I've divided this into two separate sections so the drivers get the online survey because I know their jobs and the nature of the business. Right. The operations person, so that second stage is purely that interviews because operations people, as we know, usually they're in fixed spots. They can be on the phone or I can go and visit them or I can do a video link or do something along those lines. Yeah. Now, I guess to summarise the valuable work you're doing, in plain and simple terms, what are you hoping to achieve with the survey and research project in general? The accident investigation model is designed by people who think they know the business. The politicians, the police and all the other. Mm -hmm. The way I'm hoping is to get as many people in our industry as humanly possible within the time frame I've given them, and I've given them plenty of time, to actually have a decent say and to say what they think may happen. Yes, I have experience in the business, but it's evolved in 20 years. They're the ones doing the job. They know if they have an accident, they know what happens. They know what may have influenced them. My game plan is to get what's in their mind and what they see yeah. and how to make this standard investigation tool. Mm. They've had a real say in it. So I can take this then to the powers that be and say, look, the industry wants this. Mm. Make it happen. Yeah. So once again, Darren, how can our listeners find out more about the survey and how can they get involved, where do they need to go? As I said, there, there are links in Big Rigs, there are links on Facebook, but if they want to contact me directly, they can ring me on 0401458082 or they can send me an email at d.delaney, which is D-E-L-A-N-E-Y at cqu.edu.au and I can send them as much information as they want I can have a yarn with them. I want their view. So mm. I hopefully as many people of your listeners get out there and as many on every other means of media I've put this survey and this result to come in and have their real say because this is really going to help them in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, again, that phone number for Darren is 0401-458-082 or email d.delaney at cqu.edu.au or perhaps if you've got your hands full at the moment which is very possible just check with the on the road website we'll have those details on there and also as Darren said on the Big Rigs website as well our guest on the road today has been Darren Delaney long time truckie and a man on a mission to create an effective and simple process for accident investigation in the transport industry Darren many thanks for making the time to chat with us today it's been great not a problem man. it's always a pleasure Cheers, all the best. Thanks, mate. The conversation around accidents and subsequent investigations in the transport industry can be uncomfortable and emotional for many drivers. We would encourage anyone who feels they might need some support to contact Lifeline on 13 11 14, Beyond Blue on 1300 236, or through their company's own employee assistance program. It's time for That's What You Think. Some say they're too opinionated for their own good. Some say they're just a pair of grumpy old men. We just know them as Mike and Andy. Wake me when the show starts. Sorry to be on a while. 
Wake me when it's over. Hey, Mike. Hey. If I was to say the words cancel culture to you, what comes into your head? Well, the insane idea that you can change what people think by removing what people say. Yeah. I mean, you've only got to look at what's happening with you know, the cartoons. Well, that's, I mean, Pepe Le Pew got cancelled yesterday. I mean, yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. Pepe? Yeah. No, well, he normalises rape culture, apparently. Oh, right. Man. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I watched Pepe Le Pew as a kid, and I don't think I've ever raped anyone. No, ditto. In fact, fairly sure I never did. Yeah. Back now, I will admit to one time trying to kiss a girl when it was unexpected, and I did manage to get a smack in the kisser like old Peppy got from time to time. So good. <laughs> it sort of reflected real life, didn't it? Yeah, good lesson well learned. Well, apparently some of our favourite cartoons and fairy tales, mate, are racist, sexist, transphobic, homophobic, and create a rape culture. And here was me thinking that they were all just a bit of harmless fun. Well, I don't know about harmless fun. I actually think that they'd actually teach a message, I think. Hmm. I mean, when you think about it, stories like The Boy Who Cried Wolf, for example, yep. that was to teach kids that if you went and carried on and kept saying something over and over and over and over again that wasn't true, then one day when it would be true, people would take no notice of you anymore. Oh, for sure. And you've only got to see how that's reflected today, well, in the climate change argument, for example. As soon as buddy, what's his name, Al Gore speaks, the first thing they do is remind him of the fact that the poles haven't unbrosed yet like they were supposed to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all the time, carry on. I mean, how many crises have we lived through in the last buddy 30 years? I can think of a couple like the Y2K bug and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's all going to be the end of the world, and of course, it's come and gone. And cartoons and stories and things taught us that. I mean, how many times did Daffy Duck get shot in the face with Elmer Fudd's shotgun? Oh, yeah. And Daffy's my hero, too. Daffy? Yeah. Poor bastard. Always has been. Duck season. But coming back to your boy that cried wolf, I mean, that's problematic in itself. Why does it have to be a boy, Mike? Well, exactly. Yeah. And I feel sorry for the seven dwarves <laughs> because... <laughs> and Snow White on so many levels. <laughs> and Snow White. And what about the princess that was waiting for the kiss from her one true love, the prince? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't go and kiss a girl when she's sleeping. Good God, if that's not rape, I want to know what is. Oh, fair enough, too. And the fact that she had to be announced as being a sleeping beauty. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Why couldn't she be plain and ordinary? Exactly. Mate, it's gone nuts. Speedy Gonzalez has taken a hit for popularising what they call the corrosive stereotype that Mexicans are lethargic drunks. <laughs> so uh, that's a bit of concern. And yeah. apparently Elmer Fudd is going to be stripped of his hunting rifle and Yosemite Sam's going to lose his pistols in the interests of gun safety. Good God. Makes you wonder about the future of the poor old Acme Dynamite Company, doesn't it? It does. Well, you see, this is the thing. What have we learned from cartoons? Hmm. We learned that you don't pretend it's rabbit season when it's really duck season. Exactly. It's duck season, you know. Just a darn minute. Where do you get that duck season stuff? Says so right over there on that sign. You're so smart. You know what to do with that gun, Doc. You're despicable. <laughs> you can buy anything you want from Acme, anything. Yeah. And don't chase roadrunners because you will never win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> The Dr. Zeus books, six of them are ceasing publication because of so-called racist and insensitive imagery. I just can't believe it. I mean, I read Dr. Zeus to my daughter, and she's turned out to be a fairly well-adjusted professional human being, fulfilling a vital function in healthcare in society in Victoria. So You mean in spite of you? Actually, in spite of me, you're right. Yeah.
I don't know. You can't make it up. It's just craziness. Absolute craziness. You can't. It just seems these days that we're all looking for something to be offended by and we'll always find something. I just sort of think that we need to get past being offended by everything and realise that sometimes there are lessons that need to be learned from the fables, fairy tales, legends and lore and cartoons and all that sort of stuff that seems itself it's lost on people today. It really does make me shake my head in disbelief. Yeah, leave the merry melodies and the fractured fairy tales and the Bugs Bunny show alone. Yeah. Yeah. What about Miss Piggy? <laughs> What about her? And the Muppets. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. These shows have been on the air for that long. They've taught kids so much. Yep. And now all of a sudden they're bad. Yep. I've always longed to be a grumpy old man sitting up in the balcony at the show. <laughs> we know. We know. I'm right there beside you, Rob. I rock that shit now. Yep. <laughs> I mean, anyway, there you go. Mind you, they did lock grouchy people up in garbage bins. <laughs> And intimated that all drummers were animals. Yep. So they got that bit right. Well, I'll tell you what, mate, every drummer I've ever met has been an animal, along with a lot of bass players. <laughs> they are, after all, only people that hang around with musicians, but we won't go there. Don't go there. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> when it comes to road transport, safety is everything. Seeing Machines Guardian minimises the risk of fatigue and distraction for drivers and provides real-time monitoring centre analysis and appropriate intervention. Already trusted by more than 400 of the safest road transport businesses around the world, find out how Seeing Machines Guardian can safeguard your fleet, your valuable cargo and most importantly, your drivers. Visit www.seeingmachines.com Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au you can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you are interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you. Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Morning, Mike. Good morning, Andy. How are you, mate? Good, buddy. Listen, I need you to settle an argument for me, please. <laughs> My wife wanted me to take her out to one of those fancy restaurants, you know, where they prepare the food in front of you. What are they called? Oh, yeah, um, like a teppanyaki or something like that. Okay, all right. That explains why she was annoyed when I took her to Subway then. Yeah. If I find out that you've been murdered in your sleep, mate, I'll know to blame. Oh, yeah, well, that'll be pretty clear. <laughs> All right, so we're going to do a little bit of a reversal of form here, I think, because you're actually mobile on the road. I am. So we can't have you checking facts and things while you're driving. Well, I'll play your part and you can play mine. That'll be fun. Well, some people reckon I shoot from the lip anyway, mate, regardless of facts. So there you go. Yeah. As we say, mate, if you want the real story, go to the Big Rigs webpage and read the stories. Yep. You want to hear the opinion about the story? Have a listen to us. <laughs> That's it. Yep. So the first story we've got to talk about this week is my favourite subject, <laughs> the tolls on the North Connects, mate, and the end of the amnesty period for truckies on Pendledills Road. Yes, well, until now, truckies caught avoiding the $24.34 North Connects Tunnel toll. Mm. In preference for a free run along Pennant Hills Road, they've been issued with a warning letter, but that's changing. I believe it is changing, and you know the bit that really amuses me? Mm. I've driven up and down Pennant Hills Road now during the day, 
And Pendendale's Road is a lot nicer to drive across without all those damn trucks on it. I can go there. Mm. But it doesn't take that much longer. That tunnel's taking a hell of a lot of pressure off Pendendale's Road. No arguments. Mm. But I've driven up and down there with the placards on. At night time, had to go down there, 2 o'clock in the morning. Two minutes longer to go down Pennadills Road and go through the tunnel. Yeah. I can't say it's worth 25 bucks. I really can't. No. Well, it's, well 24.34, let's be correct about it. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Transport New South Wales says the unofficial amnesty period is concluding at the end of March. Yep. And $194 fines will then be issued to those using the road who do not have exemptions. Ka-ching, ka-ching, <laughs> ka-ching. Yeah. You know, Government enforcing law to the benefit of a private corporation. Yeah. If that doesn't stink, if people don't see that that is bad, I can't help them, mate. Yeah. Well, there'll be a bit coming in. Apparently, as of March 5, some 10,623 warnings have been issued to offending trucks and buses. <laughs> uh, the State Revenue Office are going to go broke paying for the post. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, let's get off that one before you get on your horse again. Oh, mate, I'm steamed up already now. I'm ready. Okay. The next one up, mate, is the Stewart Highway reopening after that terrible crash and all that road pavement damage earlier on in the week. Well, both lanes of the Stewart Highway have been reopened with speed restrictions in place following the tragic accident over the weekend that claimed the lives of two people and caused part of the road to collapse. Absolutely true. Apparently it was last Saturday. Yeah. Just after midday, a B-double and a ute collided on the Stewart Highway at Wirramina mm-hmm. in South Australia's far north. Tragically, the 23-year-old driving the ute and the 57-year-old female passenger of the truck lost their lives, with the 49-year-old truck driver still in a critical condition. Apparently it caused part of the highway to collapse. It did, yeah. They've revealed that the Stewart Highway has now reopened all traffic between Glen Dambo and Pimba after temporary repair works were undertaken to the section of the road that was damaged. I've seen the photos of that, and I've never seen road pavement more damaged, apart from by things like flood water ripping the surface away. Well, they're saying that the cause of the collapse has been put down to the plastic culverts that melted as a result of the fire. Yeah, explains a lot. Absolutely terrible, and my condolences and thoughts are with all those involved. Yeah, absolutely. The ATA, mate, we've got a bit of a thing in there about more to be done to address gender pay parity and all that sort of thing. Running alongside of International Women's Day, the Australian Tracking Association has taken the pledge to choose to challenge and drive positive change within the industry. In 2021, there are more women in transport than ever before, and while there are clear benefits and many success stories, the ATA says there is plenty more to be done to achieve gender parity and grow the female workforce. Not strictly about wages, it's all about the overall numbers of women in the industry. As has been said by many, many people in this industry, including myself, and if you listen to any of the women's groups or anything like that, if you're a woman, why would you want to be involved in frontline work in the industry? Why would you want to put yourself in the position where you're going to be in a truck with no facilities, you can't get a shower, you can't get a feed, you can't find a toilet, God help you, you can't find a toilet. Mm. I've just driven past the pad at Gatton there, no toilet, not even in the new one, they're just built. Yep. So why would women want to be any part of it? I think they used the number in the story, 3%. Well, Women in Trucking Australia sort of suggested it's a little bit less than that, but we won't quibble about numbers. There are more women involved in the back-end areas of road transport. We've got more women on forklifts. We've got more women in offices. The reality of it is there is no pay gap because everyone gets paid the same. It's illegal to not do that. So if you're doing the same job, you're getting the same money. Mm. 
problem with it is, is attracting young people to the industry and road transport has always struggled with that. It will continue to struggle. Yeah. And they talk about how it's a male-dominated industry. Well, I think I'm a little bit qualified to talk about what it's like to work in an industry that's dominated by a gender other than your own. I was a registered nurse, as you well know. And I can tell you, it's not a one-way street. We'll just leave it there. There show some statistics here that nearly 70% of women working in transport say there are plenty of opportunities, although the same number say they have faced or believe they will face discrimination in the workplace. They say this tells us that while there are plenty of opportunities and roles to be filled, there is a critical need to remove gender bias, smash stereotypes and foster positive workplace culture. Okay. Yes. No worries. Choose to challenge. Yeah, choose to challenge. Hmm. And that's fine. I mean, I honestly believe my experience in road transport tells me, now I drove two up for three and a half years with my other half, she got paid the same as I got paid. She got treated the same as every other driver gets treated. And you'll find, I think, that if you ever listen to any of the women drivers out there, they all face the same challenges. There aren't enough facilities. There aren't enough people. And sometimes we are the low-hanging fruit that suffer the penalty simply because we're the ones sitting behind the wheel. There are things that the ATA can focus on where they can really make a difference Gender parity and the way ladies are treated in the workplace probably isn't one of them. Mm. Let's leave that to you know, ombudsmen and unions and people that function in that field. The ATA needs to, in my view, stay in their lane. Yeah. Well, we had our chat a little bit earlier in the show this week, Mike, as you know, with Lyndall Denny from Women in Trucking, and they're certainly making great moves to bring women into the industry, and I think they're doing it in the most positive way, which is wonderful. I agree. Women can compete in every single way on the open road as well as any man can. And if you listen to what some people have to say, they're actually a little bit easier on the gear than some men are. So Mm. all I know is that when people are given an opportunity, they tend to be able to rise to the challenge. It's up to people to give them the opportunity. Absolutely. The most suitable and the best person for the job regardless. Great. Yeah. 100%. All right. So we've got an old story to have a look at, and the reason why we're having a look at it is because I've had several emails on the issue about cameras in the cab and all that sort of stuff. And that's this story that was in Big Rigs about a fuel tanker driver being sacked because he was caught on camera holding his phone. Going back in May 2020, this driver has been working for six years as a fuel driver. And the Queensland Trucking Association has revealed this week that the Fair Work Commission has found the employer had a valid reason for terminating the employee as he had willfully violated an important safety obligation. So he had made a report that he had a heavy break, you certainly do, and they've gone back and reviewed the footage, and at the same time they've managed to catch him with his hand on his phone, and as a result of that he stood down and an investigation led to him being dismissed. It seems on the surface that he's been dealt a fairly harsh hand, Mm. Yeah, you've got to wonder why they came down on him so hard. But we don't know at what stage he was at. I mean, that might have been his third warning. Who knows, mate? We don't know the answer to that. No, that's right. And unfortunately, with the technology in the cab being the way it is, and we've all got it, I certainly do, it's a double-edged sword. It doesn't go back and make it up or cover it up. It just shows what happened, and sometimes someone's going to get bitten. Now, let it be a lesson to everyone. Don't have your hand on your phone. We do have Bluetooth. I'm talking to you on Bluetooth now. Yes, you are. Now, we've got a hell of a vantage point up here in these things. Yep. You see people doing weird things to themselves. You see people talking on telephones. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. 
I've got photographic evidence. Yeah, good. Okay, keep going. <laughs> you see that? You see people on the phone. You see people eating sandwiches. Well, I've seen women doing their makeup. Yeah, lippy going on. Yeah, lippy eyeliner. I've seen a lady doing eyeliner at 100 kilometres an hour for God's sake. Mm-hmm. We all seem as though we think that we can do all this stuff, and reaching out and grabbing the phone isn't too much. But you know, my phone is voice activated, so you no, know, I just go, "Hey Siri," and it answers me in its sweet voice, and I say, "Ring Andy," yeah. and it does. You've had the voice to text. What was the one the other day? That works real well, mate. I don't know. I, I still got no idea what it was meant to say. Whatever it was, it was highly offensive, and I'm never <laughs> going to talk to you again. <laughs> Keep your hand off the phone. That's the short story. That's it. We've got a little bit of housekeeping to do before you go. Yeah. I want to know. You know how you go through and you have a look and you find out where the, the podcast is being downloaded? Yes. I've been having a look, mate. We've got two listeners in Hong Kong. Yeah. We've got one in Belgium. Right. We've got a couple in Texas. Okay. We've got a couple in Arizona. Yep. We've got a fella in Alaska. Yep. Obviously, it must be a fella. I'm, a, I'm assuming. Yep. It's probably, probably sexist. It's probably, I don't know. Might be one of the ice road truckers, mate. Might be an ice road trucker. Yep. So if you're one of these people that are listening to us in another country, thank you very much. Send me an email. I want to find out how you found out about the podcast, and I want to talk to you. Let me know what you think. I'd love to know. Anyone else, any aspects of the show that you'd like to talk about, Feel free to shoot me an email, Mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. I answer every single one. All right, mate. Well, we better tidy it up there. We're running out of time. Just one quick thing before we do. Yep. You know how we all say how WD-40 is such an incredible thing, and if you can't do it with WD-40, you can't do it, you know? So yes, that's right. It's a bit like duct tape. Yep. But I decided to do a little bit of research on the origins of WD-40. Yeah. So I went to the local library. Would you believe I could not find a thing on it? Really? I went to the librarian and she suggested I tried looking in the non-friction section. <laughs> Get off me, phone. Ta-da. See ya. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Hey, everyone. Kermie here. Hope you're travelling well, staying safe and on the right side of the white line, by which, of course, I mean the left. I also hope you're tuning in to the On The Road podcasts with Mike and Andy, because if you're not, two things will happen. One, you'll be missing out on some great interviews, a good few laughs, and what's generally going on out there in truck land. Uh, What's the other thing? Ah, that's it. You won't have heard this plug for On The Road. Hmm. Okay then, so those of you who are already on here, go and tell your mates about On The Road. They can find it on Spotify or iTunes at On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast. But you knew that, didn't you? Because you're already... Yeah, look, just go and sell them, okay? Cheers and take care of you. got something to talk about and something I want to get off my chest. I just read the latest issue of Big Rigs and it says here about the driver's lobby group loses a slew of top executives. Now, I've got a little bit to say about this. I haven't said anything about it in the past because I didn't think it would serve anyone for me to speak. I was one of the founding members of that group and helped found the group because I considered that the goals were a thousand percent where the industry needed to be and what we needed to do as drivers. The whole raft of different things out there that represent the industry from different points of view, very, very little representing just drivers. 
Having said that, there is the Transport Workers Union, there's the National Road Freighters Association and a few other groups that do represent drivers, but we wanted to do something a little bit different. So we joined together and we all brought different set of skills to the table and that was fine. I made it very clear when I joined the group that I was happy to do that and bring my particular skills such as they are to the table and the group was happy to make use of those skills such as they are. I did decline to sign a confidentiality agreement because I wanted the whole place to be transparent and wanted the freedom to be able to speak my mind as I saw it, when I saw it, as is my reputation. That is what I do. If I think something's bullshit, I say, that's bullshit. If I think it's great, I think it's great and I'll say so. That's why I promote some of the things on the show that I promote. I believe in them. I think that they're good. I use them myself. If I think something's crap, I won't do it and I won't endorse it. And that's the way I roll. And the people that know me know that to be true. I'm very, very, very disappointed that the thing's gone the way it's gone. I also believe that having talked to some of those who were members of the group, that there is the potential for members of the band to get back together and do something positive. Now, how that would happen, what shape it would take, how we could fund it, what we could do, I don't know. I'm open to any discussions and I'm happy to hear anyone's feedback. If they want to send me an email and say, Mick, you're an idiot, don't do it. Or, yeah, let's do something different. Let's try and make it work. I still think there needs to be an advocacy group for truck drivers. I still do believe that those of us who were in the group that left had our particular skills. And when we left, we took those skills with us. And the skills that some of us had were fairly unique and very, very difficult to replace in this game. I really do think that the goals and the stated mission should be taken up. There should be a group that does that. Whether it can make it work, I don't know. I've talked to different people about it and they said, oh, well, we always thought it was going to go that way. Well, you don't know if you don't have a go. I'm thinking that maybe we need to have a go. Let's see what happens. Keep it safe on the road and we'll catch you next time. It was once voted as the best road song ever written. Some might disagree, but whichever way you look at it, it's a great country rock classic that can help ease you across the miles. Almost goes without saying, it's the Eagles and take it easy.
brings us to the end of another On The Road show. We hope you enjoyed it. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. For more On The Road news and additional features, visit our website at www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Be sure to join us same time next week. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road are great believers in the right to free of speech, and whilst we might not always be in 100% agreement with the views and opinions of our guests and contributors, we firmly support their right to hold and express those opinions. <laughs>